The road to the 2009 NBA Finals started in 2004. The Orlando Magic select Dwight Howard from Southwest Christian Academy. A group that was methodically assembled. You have to have complementary pieces to the guys that you already have. For a new style of play. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> there it is. Jeremy Richardson with the NBA breaking three-point field goal. A style that would lead them to the biggest stage in basketball. But it wasn't without controversy. Sat down with every player. Hey, I'm thinking about coming back. Find out how the path was built from the men that lived it. Next on Inside the Magic, run to the finals, the 2008-2009 Orlando Magic. Welcome to Inside the Magic, run to the finals, the 2008-2009 Orlando Magic. I'm Mackenzie Thurkill. In 2004, the Orlando Magic landed the number one pick in the draft, and with that luck, selected an 18-year-old Dwight Howard. Right before David Stern came out, uh, my agent came to me and he said, hey, when David Stern calls your name, give your mom a kiss, give your dad a big hug, and go on stage. So he came out, I got real nervous. He said my name and my dad hit the table. <laughs> Boom! Like King Kong. Right. I was like, man, he just went crazy. My mom started crying. And, you know, it was just like, wow, man, this, my dream has finally come true. Number 12, Wide Howard! He demanded so much attention on both ends of the floor until it allowed our other guys to do what they do, to take over a game. There was nothing you really could do when he played, and he just, he dominated the game on the defensive end of the floor and on the offensive end of the floor. After three seasons, the team started to show growth and made it to the playoffs in the 2006-2007 campaign. They were defeated in the first round by the Detroit Pistons and management felt the team needed a new voice in order for the team to grow. I interviewed with the Magic and that very same night, I must have had a great interview because they interviewed me and then they immediately went up and offered Billy Donovan the job. Like immediately coming out of the interview, like, oh God, this guy, we better go get Billy. The new head coach of the Orlando Magic, Mr. Billy Donovan. So I moved on and I was pursuing the job with Sacramento and I remember being in Las Vegas. I was with Jeff Petrie and Wayne Cooper and I'm sitting at dinner with them in Vegas and it's one of those, you know, where your phone is on silent. It just keeps vibrating. I get up and I finally, it's my brother. And he's saying, you know, have you done anything with Sacramento? I said, no, they haven't offered me the job or anything yet. And he said, well, don't do anything with them because I think Billy's going to go back. So on my way down, I call Stan. And Otis and I get on the phone and we're both ready to, it took us about five minutes in negotiations, but then Miami, I was still under contract with them, even though I wasn't coaching as a consultant, and they weren't going to let me out of my contract. Negotiating with Pat Riley to get Stan out of his contract was probably the hardest thing I had to do that, one of the hardest things we had to do that weekend, because Pat knew he had me between the rock and the hard place, and he wanted 
a first round pick and a million bucks. And I'm like, I can't give you a first round pick and a million bucks. I'm sorry, that's not gonna happen. So we go back and forth, back and forth, and we didn't have a choice because we were really under the gun. And Pat Riley said, Stan, look, you can go to Sacramento. We're not letting you go to Orlando. So we got on the plane and went out to Sacramento. And the plan was, we're gonna look at houses there and if everything's good, because my wife hadn't been out there, then you know we'll sign the contract and, and do the press conference and the whole thing. So finally I get ownership involved and they work out a deal where we were able to, to get Stan in. Uh, uh, it only cost us you know, a second round pick protected and, and, and half a million dollars. Literally, within five minutes of landing out there, I get a call from the Magic saying, you know, hold on, I think we might be able to work this out. We took a red eye back and did the press conference here the next day. I didn't want to give them a chance to change their mind. We started this, this off season um, in the process of looking for a head coach. We targeted two guys, and, and we actually hired them both. <laughs> you know, within a six-day period of time. So I just want to thank all you guys for being here and introduce the, the new head coach of the Orlando Magic, Stan Van Gundy. Couldn't be more excited to be here. Um, we've been up, my wife and I, for about 36 hours straight, so if I lose my train of thought here and have to pause, uh, bear with me a little bit. But from a professional standpoint, uh, this is just a tremendous opportunity. That summer, the Magic were armed with loads of cap room, and they wanted to make a splash in free agency, but it had to be the right fit. An opportunity opened for the Magic during the 2007 draft. I'm watching the draft, you know, to see who, who we're gonna pick up. And I see Ray Allen traded to Boston, and I'm like, well, that, that, that's it for me. You know, I'm in a point in my career where I'm going into my prime, and I want to, I want to be in the playoffs. I want to play for a championship, and I felt like by them trading Ray Allen, they were starting over again. So, you know, it was no disrespect to Seattle, but I was at a point in my career where I, my thing, my goal was to try to win the NBA championship. For Richard, he saw Orlando as a top destination. Watching Dwight Howard get drafted and watching the talent that he had uh, for his rookie year was for me unbelievable and I felt like you know that's a chance where I can go and compete in the playoffs and try to compete for a championship. After Richard signed his new contract it wasn't an instant hit with everyone on the team. I was back home when I heard the, the signing with Richard and I called right away to stand and I told him day one listen man if you're not going to play me or start me trade me. Wow. And I said like listen man we all gonna be okay, you know. I'm gonna talk to Rashad. You're gonna be a huge part of our uh, team and Rashad as well too. So, and I believed in him. And when I came back for training camp, he really, I think, kept his promise and the way he structured the team. I think he worked out well for me and Rashad as well too. Otis had assembled his core group by the end of the 2007 summer, and now it was up to Stan and his coaching staff to make it work on the floor. And this team had had a measure of success. You know, they'd gone to the playoffs a year before under Brian. Jameer Nelson, real high character guy. Dwight just coming into his prime as a great talent. 
Hito Turkoglu, another great talent, and then the great off-season acquisition the same year I came with Richard Lewis. J.J. Redick, one of the best competitors I've been around in our league. Tony Batie. I mean, these guys wanted to be coached. They wanted to win. And then I was able to put together a, a great, great coaching staff. Steve Clifford, who's here now, tremendous teacher, did a lot of work with, with Hito and Richard besides helping us with X's and O's. Bob Beyer, who did a lot of work with, with J.J. and with Courtney Lee you know, did tremendous work. Obviously, Patrick with, with Dwight and our other big guys. And then, you know, Brendan Malone, who along with our strength coach, Joe Rogowski, did one of the greatest player development jobs I've ever seen in the league with Marcin Gortat. So, great high character players, and then a great coaching staff working with those guys. It just sort of, of all came together. Uh, everything worked in conjunction. Stan was gonna push our guys that we needed push. We were a young team at the time, and we needed the basics added to our team. Stan's style of teaching took a little getting used to, especially for the vets. Stan wasn't the easy guy, you know. Whenever you guys ready, we can start to practice. As Carlos brings it down, he's gonna be looking right at you. Especially after my first year with him, I didn't understand all the yelling and screaming. You know, as a young player, just like, you know, most young players, you take it personal, mm. um, not realizing that he has a goal of, you know, for you individually to, to get you where you need to be as a player individually and uh, for the team collectively. So it, it just was one of those things where we butted heads for a couple weeks and then I just gave up and I was like, this is, this is the best coach I've ever had. Before Stan's first season as head coach could begin, he would lose his starting power forward to a season ending injury. Tony went down in the preseason with a shoulder injury and was out for the year. And so there really, it just became a no-brainer to put your best players on the floor. So I'd love to sit here and say there was some great plan and I was like this genius that figured it out. We just went by necessity of what gave us the best chance. In the regular season, the gamble of playing Richard and Hito out of position worked. Turgaloo. Drive and kick. Lewis looking for his third, and he's got it. He's got to get out on him. He, he's too deadly. You know, we ended up starting those guys at the same time, and it created problems you know, for everybody else. Small ball most of the time. Me at three, Rashad at four, Dwight at five. When you have guys can shoot, dribble, and pass, and you have Dwight's, he was killing. He was unstoppable that time. Six foot ten. Rashad Lewis. Jefferson has no answer for Dwight Howard around the basket. It was just fun to be out there. Turn it over. Lewis with a drive and dunk. Pick your poison. You're going to guard me. Put a, the, the small forward on me, or you're going to put him on Hito. And you know, I was a pretty good post-up player. Back you down, throw the jump hook over you, or I'm gonna shoot the baseline jump shot. Left around Dwight in the lane, kicks it right wing, Richard, he'll slash in, stops, pops, got it, he'll rattle it down. Stan put up in those plays to where if a big man is on me, then we're gonna put you on a perimeter so we can get his paint to Dwight. Then we're gonna let Dwight post up and we're gonna do high low and get the ball into him. But a lot of that come from Jameer and Hito running the point guard of, and, and, and creating those shots for us. This guy was an all-star small forward. We're moving to the power forward in a time where not everybody was playing small. So he was battling true power forwards 
on a regular basis. Never said one word, no complaints, no nothing. Went out and got the job done every night and allowed us to play in a way that really fit around Dwight. I mean, we had Dwight inside. We had two great pick and roll players in Jameer and uh, Hito, and we could spread out with shooters. But that wasn't the original master plan. We got lucky on that. The Magic finished the 2007-2008 season by being eliminated in the Eastern Conference semifinals by the Detroit Pistons. But now they were a more confident team going into the offseason. After making it to the second round of the 2008 playoffs, the Orlando Magic were left yearning for more going into the next season. That summer, they drafted a shooting guard from Western Kentucky, Courtney Lee, and after missing the previous season due to a shoulder injury, Tony Batie returned to the court. Now, it was just about putting the pieces together, and that started with returning to Orlando prior to training camp. We came back early, got, got everybody came back in shape, and then came back early and got better shape. And, and I think that gave us an advantage. It gave us an advantage in our conditioning. It gave us an advantage our camaraderie. And just gave us an advantage in, in uh, teaching as well because you can do certain things within the rules uh, during that period of time we were getting together to, to get that advantage. The season started a little slow, but once they got on the same page, the wins started rolling in. The white biggest asset to our team was he demanded so much attention on both ends of the floor until it allowed our other guys to do what they do. There was nothing you really could do when he decided he wanted to play. He dominated the game on the defensive end of the floor and on the offensive end of the floor. When he rolled to the basket, he took so many people with him until it opened up the floor for everybody else. So it was a, a beautiful thing to have happen. Another big key to the team's success on the floor was its inside-out schemes. Here's a three-point shot, J.J. record. There is a new magic record for threes made in a half. That's 11. Here's another open three-point shot, and Nelson drills it. Turn for three, count it. There's another one. That's number 17. Hito, number 20 on the way. There it is, 23s for the Orlando Magic. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> there it is, Jeremy Richardson with the NBA breaking three-point field goal. <laughs> Bogan's gonna try and add to the record, and he does. I think the thing that uh, you know gets overlooked about some of those Magic teams was just how deep we were a style that sort of carried over from the starters to the bench and just really played a, a fluid brand of basketball uh, that was a lot of fun. Peaches with the shot clock at one. A big shot from the corner. We started the season 33-8. and eight. Uh, We had a West Coast trip. Jameer had a couple of unbelievable games. Nice screen and roll. Nelson, a three-point shot. He drilled it. Nelson, he doesn't see anything except the, the rim. He is just uh, in that zone again here tonight. That first half of the season um, was about as, as well as you could play. With the team having a successful first half of the season, it was no surprise when Dwight Howard was named a starter for the All-Star Game. Then it was announced on January 31st that Rashard Lewis and Jameer Nelson would join him in the midseason classic. They all felt like they were missing one of their teammates. I was really upset about it. The numbers I put up, 
the efficiency I had in yeah. the team and all that, making all the plays. But I guess it's part of the life that I have to have that experience in my life. So it was sad for me uh, because as a player, you know, you always want to be all-star or to be respected that way. But I guess that time I didn't deserve it. I, I thought all four of us would make it. I thought we should. We were number one team. Um, you say other teams have five in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, we all played well enough for individually us to get in. So, I mean, we weren't the biggest market. So I think that may have hurt us. But you know, I felt bad for him. We all felt bad. We we were we were all really close, leaned on each other for a lot, mm -hmm. and. and you know, he, he was happy for everybody, but you know, you could tell deep down inside he wanted to make it, he should have made it. Not long after the All-Star Reserves announcement, the unthinkable happened versus the Dallas Mavericks. Nelson missed the shot, then tried to steal the ball away from Dampier. I don't like the looks of this, Jameer dragging that right shoulder. His third, Might have popped out a joint. He went down and we found out, you know, he had to have surgery. He would be out for the rest of the season. I think I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep that night. I was up all night because I knew that we had a great team, the success we was headed towards. And with him going down, it felt like that was it. And it was sad for him, you know, because we had something going on in the past year and this 08 and 09. And sadly, he had that injury. Uh, it was sad for all of us. At the time he went down, I didn't think there was any question in my mind that we were the best team in the East. New Cleveland was good. Certainly LeBron would be tough to overcome, but we were playing great, great basketball and he was phenomenal. Kind of hurt me to see Jameer go down because I know he had worked so hard to get to where he had got to as a player and bam, shoulder injury. My goal was to, to and rehab as much as I can to get right back to where I was, or even better. Even though he couldn't participate in the All-Star game, Jameer still joined Dwight and Richard for the All-Star festivities. After the All-Star break, management still needed to find a permanent solution for their point guard position. To go on and make the push, it was gonna be, it was gonna be hard, and so, yeah, the feeling wasn't great around the team. People were really disappointed. And then Otis pulled off, you know, another great move. Otis orchestrated a three-way trade with the Memphis Grizzlies and Houston Rockets that procured the services of Rafer Alston. I had had Skip in Miami, and Otis and I agreed. And, and you know, he had to give up, pay a heavy price. We gave up a first-round pick, but it was one of the great moves. The, it's a great opportunity uh, for myself to come to a team that's contending. Uh, so many fine players, great, great group of guys. Uh, uh, they seem like a fun group to be around already, but uh, it's a good opportunity. You're going to a team that has uh, a great chance to win it all, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that and then come in and be a, try to be a piece of the puzzle and then be of some uh, assistance and help. But we were in Charlotte. And the first game that Skip played was down there on no practice or anything. First uh, minutes as a Magic player. Now right now, the people are going to love Olsen and what he's going to give to this thing. Here comes Olsen. 
The new acquisition sets up high on the right, rolls up top, wants to go in, no, chucks it back to Petit. 20-footer, Tony on the way, and good. Now, we just threw him in there, and guys were coming off the court, other guys saying, yeah, man, we can play with him. Bringing in Rafer and sliding Anthony Johnson in the backup, that was huge for us. Beautiful pass from Rafer Austin to Dwight Howard. I'm playing with Skip to my loop, and I just remember watching him on and one dribbling, going crazy, and now he's my teammate. Uh, he was a huge pickup for us as well. He bought in right away in day one. He knew the system, he knew what's going on. He knew who was taking the shots, and he knew everything what's going on, so he was a perfect teammate that time. And they traded for Rayford Austin. It was like, okay, you know, he played with the Rockets. He's a good player, but he... He's not Jameer Nelson, you know, and he came to the team, and I think he knew the expectations coming to the team because we were so good at the time, and there was only one goal, and that was to win the NBA championship. It was just felt like it was a match made in heaven. Rafer would lead the team to their second highest win total in franchise history with 59 total wins and place them as the third seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Staying was, you know, like, no letdowns, let's play hard, let's play together. But in that time, he was also trying to save us as well, too, for the playoffs, because the most important time is the playoffs. So I think he really balanced that really well. Welcome back to Inside the Magic Run to the Finals, the 2008-2009 Orlando Magic. I'm Mackenzie Thurkill. The Magic finished the regular season with 59 wins, which earned them a third seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. First up, a 76ers team that was not going to be taken lightly. It's the third seeded Magic against the sixth seeded Philadelphia 76ers in the East. The game one was tough. Yeah, I remember that game like it was, like it just happened. Right. Howard backing in on Dallenbear, overpowers Samuel Dallenbear. It was a close game from the beginning. There's a magic turnover turning into two points for Andre Iguodala. With the ball is Johnson. AJ with the throwdown. Anthony Johnson. And Philly just seemed like they had our number that night. Shot clock is at five. Iguodala tried to drive, could not. Tough shot, got it. Wow. Andre Iguodala with 2.2 on the clock. And Philly keeps coming up with one big shot after another. Magic do not have a timeout. It is Turkaloo with the shot. 76ers steal game one. Game two, the Magic came out determined not to go to Philly down 0-2. Alston accelerates around Young. Howard one-handed throwdown. Led by rookie Courtney Lee, who had a career-high 24 points as they tied the series at one apiece. The teams would split games three and four with heroic shots. Uh -oh, trouble, almost a five-second count. Howard knocked it away. Howard challenges, one score. Two seconds remaining. Lewis, three-quarter court shot. No good. Philadelphia is up 2-1. Magic players minutes away from coming onto the court. The team they'll face tonight, the Philadelphia 76ers, looking to take a three games to one lead. 
At that time, I was really struggling, you know, in those games, especially the first two games. And on the end, he still called a play. Either me or Rashar was going to take it. Pito one-on-ones. Rising. Drills it. A three by Tekulu. Cold-blooded. He says, don't forget about me. I can still bring it in the clutch. And, and Turk kind of just ISOed and dribbled the clock down and just as nonchalant as you could be. <laughs> just classic Turk. We tied up and <laughs> everything changed since then. As good as we were as the three seed with home court, we easily could have been down 3-1 in that series, uh, heading back to Orlando for game five. Game five would be a physical affair that the Magic would win, but the victory would come at a cost. Me and Samuel got into it, and I got ready to throw an elbow, and I hit him, and then I was like, man, why did I do that? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't do this for my team. And I get suspended. They're using a lot of shots out. There's a block by Dwight Howard. And Courtney Lee may have gotten hit in the face. Courtney Lee would be lost for the series after taking an elbow from Dwight Howard. With Dwight Howard suspended for Game 6 and Courtney Lee out due to injury, Stan would look to Richard and two of the Magic's younger players to step into bigger roles. Then it said you have to remind JJ and Gortat to stay within and not try to do anything. No, I mean, we, we've talked about everything, but look, these guys are, are professional players and, and they'll go out and uh, and play hard and play well and, and play smart. You know, a lot of guys are going to get an you know, opportunity to play today, and uh, I'm one of them. I'm going to try to, you know, step up and, 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 you know, try to do what Dwight is doing, get rebounds and, and help the team to win the game. We are ready for game six. Orlando trying to move on to round two. Marsh and I were, you know, we were young players in the league and, and we were friends, and so we, we had kind of talked about, you know, if we ever got the opportunity, we would, you know, try to, try to step up and, like myself, Martian is a very confident player. He certainly believes in his abilities, and especially when he was young, you have to have a lot of confidence to, to get the, uh, the Jordan logo tattooed on your leg. Philadelphia, where J.J. Redick filling in for Courtney Lee, and Martian Gortat filling in for Dwight Howard. The replacement players for the Orlando Magic have been the story as the Orlando Magic lead by 20. Those two guys were just on fire early, and then Richard just took over the took over the entire game. Before you know it, we'd be up 10, 15, 20 points, and it was just kind of like, and we just kept going. Marsh had a double-double, and you know, I hit five threes, and the game was never really close. Probably played our best game of the postseason, considering we're without Dwight, and blew them out of the building in Philly. It's one of the Best performances I've ever watched my team play as a coach. Hey, hey, big win. What's next for you guys? Uh, whoever, whoever wins this Boston series. The Magic would start the Eastern Conference semifinals on the road in Boston. They had just beat the Bulls in seven games. Uh, Ray Allen had gone nuts that series, um, had a couple of huge games. And KG was also hurt, and Jameer was hurt. So you got KG on this side and Jameer on this side, and, 
every time somebody scores, you see KG get up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see Jameer, yeah, yeah, we're going to walk y'all down. We're going to yeah. walk y'all down. So they going back and forth, and we're on the court like, man, this is a tough battle. Just Howard. What a move by Dwight Howard. They would leave the city with the series tied one to one, and now it was their turn to defend their home court. They would have to do it without Rafer Alston, who let his emotions take over. They cruised to an easy win in game three. Here's the white in the paint, caught it, tossed left corner. He's got Johnson right down the baseline. Dad to the top and he'll jam it down. But game four was a different story. You know, we had made the decision going into the series that at the end of the game, we're not going to let Paul Pierce beat us. And here we go. Pierce fires into Rondo. 10 on the clock. He'll dance up top. Eight. Still looking. He's got Pierce on his left. Six. Looks right. Over to Pierce with four. Paul Pierce. It's close at the end. And we trap Paul Pierce. We blitz him coming off the pick and roll. And we executed exactly the way we wanted to execute. Two, goes over to Davis, 16-footer Glenn Davis at the buzzer, it is good, and the Celtics have won the game in Orlando. Glenn Davis, an open look, left baseline, up and in, the Celtics will win it, 95-94. You know, and it's one of those things I said after the game, you know, it can't be the right move if it didn't work, but if we had to do it again, we'd do the exact same thing. We had a chance to go up 3-1. Now it's 2-2. We lose in game five, Eddie House goes nuts. Another chance where you can sort of fold and give in. We're down 3-2, so, you know, it was tough, but we play a really good game six, and then you're going game seven in Boston. In order for the Magic to win the series, they would have to do something that 32 other teams weren't able to do to the Celtics. They would have to go into Boston and win a game seven. But we knew we had our work cut out for us going into Boston for Game 7. Game 7, do or die, win or go home in Boston. They hardly lose, but you know, like they say, it's the first for everything. So we're going to try to make history tonight. I mean, Game 7, the only thing I remember talking about is we had a chance to make history. Paul Pierce had come out of Game 6. We had won at home, and he was actually yelling on the court coming off of game six. Game seven's not for everybody. That's what he kept saying. Game seven's not for everybody. And it's a basketball game out there, you know, and, and you've got to go out and, and play it. And, and their experience may help them a little in game seven, but our guys have basketball experience. They've been in, they've been in big games. But it's, it's so much into game seven. You know that uh, anything goes wrong for you. Losing rise, uh, season's over. Uh, but you don't want to put so much emphasis on winning and losing. You should put a lot of emphasis on playing the game well, playing hard, and uh, with a lot of poise. Being down against Boston, having to go play a game seven in Boston with that crowd, it's crazy. The X's and O's was always on the board. Uh, he would always give us the X's and O's of what plays they was running or what they was going to do. It was just up to us to go out there and then do it on the court. Magic control, and here they come. They'll go right to left in game seven, and we are underway in Boston. We blitzed him. You know, Hito was always a good player for us, but the best game I've ever seen him play was game seven in Boston.
and he dominated the game. Turns to face against Paul Pierce. Turkoglu puts it to the floor, drives baseline, push shot is up and good. Great move then by Hilo Turkoglu. We didn't have that fear that time. Uh, I think we had that experience before and we got nothing to lose. And just go out there and ball out. We've been doing the whole year. And it was, uh, it was an incredible performance by us in the second half. It was just a total team effort. The margin of taking right to the rack and dunk it down. We weren't letting this one slip through our hands. We played until that whistle was over. It didn't matter how much we was up. We played until that final buzzer rang. Magic inbound. Dwight dribbles out the clock, and this one is over. Blue and white ignite indeed. Hold on tight. We're headed for Cleveland, Ohio, and the Cavaliers. What a feeling to, to beat Boston in the Garden in Game 7, the defending champs, and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Tomorrow it's back to work, but right now, have some fun. After defying the odds and defeating the Boston Celtics in seven games, the Orlando Magic were now faced with the daunting task of playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals, a series the pundits deemed futile as they all awaited a Kobe LeBron Finals. It's good to be underdog because nobody's expecting you going to the Finals. Everybody already set up the Cleveland Lakers. They were always talking about LeBron and Kobe in the finals and they already had the, the, the puppets ready. And I remember a fan for the Magic, they made me a puppet. And they said, no, nah, this is going to be the Magic versus the Lakers in the finals. Game one, Eastern Conference Finals is underway in Ohio. Game one into Cleveland. We had our swag on, but I can remember that first quarter. Man, Cleveland Cavaliers came out like gangbusters. I think we was down early 15 points in the first quarter. I remember doing that first time out. We went to the bench and sat down, and we just kind of looked around like, what in the hell is going on? They was ahead the first, the first quarter. And none of us ever panicked because we just went through the toughest series we could ever face against Boston. It was like, let's just chip away at it. Can't get it all back at one time, chip away at it. Alley-oop. Yes, it is. An alley-oop to Howard, called perfectly by Maddie there. Howard caught it and flushed it over his shoulder back to the basket. 87-86 Orlando, back and forth we go. As game one came to a close, the ball would land in the hands of Richard Lewis. Magic down by two, and here we go. Ball comes into Rafer. He finds Richard high right. Bergeau on him. Richard goes by him. Jump pass over to Hedo, left wing. Jabs can't shoot over James. Back to Lewis. Tough shot over Bergeau. Up oh, and in. Yes. Bergeau right up in his face, and Richard makes a huge shot here in Cleveland. Magic lead by one. When they went through that net, you know, I'm pumping my chest. And I'm, oh, you know, it was game one, but you, when you go into Cleveland, which was they may have lost two games there all year long. You're playing against the best player in, in, in the league. And we beat them in game one for the, and we in the Eastern Conference Finals, we was like, yo, we're really that good. Come here and got the first game, man. It was what we needed to do, handle business. Get one on the road, we was able to do that today, man. To be continued, see y'all next game. We end up winning the game. Then LeBron hits the shot to when when that game in Cleveland, we're like man, we ain't got to worry about that. We're gonna go home, take care of business, and go to the finals. 
Let's get a good start. Let's go. Going back to Orlando, we felt like we had stolen home court. Cross court pass, Peterson's caught it, shot it for three, got it. Oh, is that silky smooth? We felt like we could play with these guys, and we're, I think, figuring out a formula to beat them. Magic will win game three here in Orlando tonight and knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers by 10, 99-89, ball game. In game four, the Magic trailed by two late in the fourth quarter. Hito holding, running out high, Courtney Lee, he'll fire Richard in the corner, he'll lift, he'll fire, it's, it's up, it's in, bullseye, Richard Lewis, deep left pocket, Magic lead by two. The game would go into overtime, but Richard would hit a clutch free throw to get the two-point victory. Game five is like down to the wire. LeBron has an unbelievable performance to, to force a game six. After losing game five, they would return back to Amway Arena, a must-win game to avoid going back to Cleveland. So they played great at home. So, you know, our main focus is trying to end this series tonight here in our building. Think about playing, not closing out. Go out there and win. The white double team, right block, missed it. Drive in, got the rebound, leaps up and jams it down. Real hard, both hands. He played his butt off on both ends of the court. But being dominant, Dwight Howard in the paint. And without him, we don't get to the finals. Down to Dwight, the money play, twisting, spinning, dunking. He got it to go, and that might do it. 101-84, 17-point lead with 2.08 left. We're standing there on the side with, with about a minute to go in the game and saying to Brendan Malone, I remember punching him actually in the arm, saying, we're going to the damn finals. Six seconds left, and that will do it. Game, set, match. Can somebody show us the way to California? The Orlando Magic are going to the NBA Finals. Abracadabra. 103.90, this one's over. The crowd goes nuts. See the way the fans erupted in that arena by receiving that uh, Eastern Conference trophy, getting the hats put on. You know, Rich DeVos coming out there. It was an unbelievable feeling. It's something that you dream about. Certainly the high point of our, of my five years there and, and a high point in the careers of, of most of those players. So, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting. As the Magic battled their way through playoffs, Jameer Nelson continued two days during his rehab in an effort to return to the hardwood. After making the finals, it was announced Jameer was eligible to play. Now management had the tough decision. Do they mess with the formula that got them to the finals by placing him back into the rotation? Or do they sit Jameer, even though he had been medically cleared? You know, when we were 33 and eight at the beginning of the year, Jameer was an all-star and we were rolling and we were one of the two or three best teams in basketball. And we get to the end of the season and Rafer's the guard and AJ's coming off the bench, you know, giving us great minutes. And we're one of the best teams in basketball. So it's. I don't know what you do, and I know it was a tough call for Otis and San. Our thought process going into it, he was healthy, ready to go. You know, could he set? Yeah, he could have set. Uh, I needed him with our team, and our team needed him. We had beaten the Lakers both times during the regular season, and the major factor in us beating them was Jameer. The guy they couldn't guard 
was Jameer. Now, I didn't expect him to play at that level, but I just thought, hey, going off the bench, we got, we got to give this guy a chance. As a man, I sat down with every player. Hey, I'm thinking about coming back. You know what I'm saying? You, every player, like, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. If one guy would have said no, I wouldn't have played. The series would start in L.A., and the Magic would quickly find out that even though they dominated the Lakers during the regular season, the intensity of the finals was at another level. I don't need to get nervous. It's basketball. It's basketball. We're in the arena, and they got the big finals basketball on the court. They got tons of media everywhere, and, you know, all of us is like, wow. And then we're playing a team that has experienced all this. They don't have to give you any respect. The media, the fans, nothing. But the thing they can't take away from you is winning games. We just weren't ready in game one. Saw the arc, using a Bynum screen, gets to the right, hit shot, good! Boy, well defended, and Kobe rises up and knocks it down. We went out there and played like we thought we, we couldn't be beat, and we got beat down. Brilliant performance, 40 points. He's ever had in the finals game and a long night with Roy Howard. To get blown out like that, I think our confidence took a little bit of a hit. Yeah. Uh, game one, it's a disaster, as everybody know, but it's over with. Can't go back in time and get it back. You don't ever win a series or lose a series with one game, so. No, it was just, the only focus was winning because they, the way they embarrassed us on national TV, um, it was, it, it's, it's not supposed to happen, not in the NBA Finals. That means you don't belong here if you're going to get beat by 20 points in the Finals. So we're going to go out here and we're going to show you. When here's Richard defended well right side, buried the three ball. Sweet Lou shooting it well. Lewis again open, puts it in. Richard Lewis, his fourth three-pointer, and he has 18 points in the second period. Whatever we can to keep ourselves in that game and not get blown out, to have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. The Magic would rally back, and for the team to get one more opportunity in regulation, they would need a stop. Seven seconds left. Tie game, game two of the finals. Here's Kobe at the top, works on Turkoglu. To the left, Turkoglu blocks the shot from behind. This is the horn sounds. They got the stop, and now it was their chance to end the game with .6 seconds left on the clock. When Stan made the play, Courtney was like, yo, bro. Throw it close to the basket, I'm gonna catch it. I said, listen, man, don't worry about it, I got you. I said, you better catch it. I said, no, no, man, seriously, man, like, throw it to the basket. I said, okay, man, don't worry about it, I'm gonna do it, you better finish it. To obscure you, a lot to the is. basket for Lee, who caught it, laid it up, no good! And we'll go to overtime. You guys said Lee was open, he popped free, Turkoglu made a great pass, and the rookie out of Western Kentucky almost had the moment of a basketball lifetime. It rims out, and we go to overtime. In the overtime, it was Kobe took over and uh, make big plays, and uh, they took 2-0. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to game three of the 2009 NBA Finals. What an amazing atmosphere, and you can't blame them. What a great season it's been, but they are desperate for a victory right now. We would thrive off of our fans in the playoffs. You know, I, the blue and white ignite, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, it's a different energy. They did their part, they killed home court. Nice hard turn. I literally was in the huddle crying like, man, I, I want to win so bad. I'm putting towels over my head. 
I'm like, man, this is the moment, man. I'm looking at all the fans and they're like, this is it. It's all against Lee here on a mismatch. Lee fires from 18. It's good. Petrus is in. Off to Turkaloo. The floater. That's good. Magic out hot now. Turkaloo goes right side for an Austin three. Good. Now what a performance from the Magic. 75% shooting again. An NBA Finals record for a half. We just went out there and played with energy and effort. Austin double back to Lewis. That's a two-pointer. Puts it in. Rashard Lewis nails it. Series. The Magic were unable to capitalize on the momentum from the Game 3 win, and the Lakers would go on to become the 2009 NBA champions. It's an experience that the 2008-2009 Orlando Magic will always remember. It's a group that I've always liked, not only because they won, but because of what they did to get there, what guys were willing to sacrifice, and, and how they came together as a group. And the ultimate goal was to win this championship for the city of Orlando, not only for the city, but for Mr. DeVos. And that was our ultimate goal, was to win him an NBA championship. And we felt like we failed him. He wanted the championship, not for himself, but for the city of Orlando. And we was trying our best to do that for him and for the city.